Hey, this is Neil Bawa, the Mad Scientist of Multifamily, and you're listening to the Mailbox Money Show with Bronson Hill. This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. Okay, so how do you buy big multifamily properties, 10 units, 20 units, 30 units, uh, without any money down? Literally, sell a fi- seller financing. How do you get those kind of deals? Well, my guest today is incredible. He's 23 years old. He's got nearly 200 multifamily units where he put little or no money down on any of these. He's built a huge portfolio and he's got a strategy on how you can go and get, uh, and I'm actually looking at, you know, get more property. This is the way I'm looking at doing it even locally where I live in Los Angeles. Um, and so you're really going to love this interview. I got so many takeaways from it. And again, when I find people that are doing things different, than other folks, I think it's just important to learn. And I think right now, especially these days with higher rates, this is an awesome strategy that most people don't know about. All right, welcome to the Mailbox Money Show. We've got Cody Davis with us, who's just the guy I wanna grow up to be like at age 23. Uh, Cody, you've done over 150 multifamily units, actually close to 200 now, with owner financing. And I think it's absolutely amazing what you've accomplished. Congratulations on your success. I know we've known each other for a couple of years. Um, give us a little bit of your story. When did you start doing this? How did you get into it? Um, tell us a little bit about how you got here, man. Yeah, so I got started, and thanks again for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I got started at 19 years old, and that had been just getting out of a gymnastics career. I'd been doing gymnastics parkour for about a decade at that point, and I'd been coaching for a few years, not exactly making a ton of money, but I had saved up a whopping $3,000 and that was uh, when I got into being a real estate agent. Somebody on the internet messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, you should get your real estate license and drop out of college. And I had never met them before. So I did what any rational teenager would do. And I listened and I left college and got my license and realized that I didn't have any clients, didn't make any money. But fast forward nine months, I had been watching all these really well-off individuals that were two to three times my age selling apartment deals. They're selling multifamily. And that started peaking interest. And I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad at the time. I had read Deals on Wheels by Lonnie Scruggs. Those were great books for just getting the mindset and then learning about intros to private money. And out of that, there was someone who brokered a deal over in central Washington. It had this thing called seller financing. And it was a really good deal. It was the best one I'd ever seen. So I looked up seller financing on the MLS and found a 12 plex, called them up. And about 45 days later, I closed on it with $0 out of pocket. That's incredible. So that, that was my first intro, but I bought my, my 12 plex as a first deal with $3,000 to pay. That's amazing. Let's just talk about that for a second. So for those that aren't familiar, usually people approach, um, you know, I've had 1500 one-on-one phone calls with high net worth investors and a lot of people, you know, have money they want to invest. And so they invest in our deals, they invest with operators like yourself. Um, you've basically approached this very differently saying, Hey, I, I don't have money. And, you know, I, I basically going to approach an owner saying, Hey, why don't you just give me terms where I can take over your property with no money down? 
Uh, why would an owner do that? Like, why would they do something like that? There's a lot of different reasons why they would do it. And all the reasons on the internet are wrong. A lot of people say that it's about the tax benefits and they can break up their basis and their gain over X amount of years. And while that is true, that's not the reason people do it. The reason people do it is there becomes a moment where they have more money when uh, then they have time. Mm-hmm. And the number one reason is they want to be able to pass that on to the next generation who's asking for help. And nobody's asking for help right now. And it's not just the next generation of younger people, but it's just people that are the next generation real estate investor. They're getting started. And I've seen this happen for folks twice my age, uh, people that are younger than me, where they've repeated this strategy and it's worked. And then uh, in, in addition to just passing the torch, a lot of people get to the point where they built this massive portfolio. I'm thinking of a, a couple and they're in their 70s and, and they've been doing this for 50 years and they managed the portfolio for their parents while they were building it. And now they're getting to the age where they've got kids. Their kids don't want to do it anymore, but they own half the town. Yeah. And so wow. they don't want to give their kids all the property because they're going to not know how to manage it properly. They don't want to give the kids a bunch of money because that can do a lot of bad things if they don't know how to manage it. And so what they want to do is pass on a note as the, the asset, which is going to produce income every month that has sufficient collateral that they can't mess up. If they blow all the money, they get it again on the first. And um, so they want to really just pass on a long-term fixed rate note for as much money as possible that is supported by a piece of real estate so that their kids can live happy lives and never have to worry about money. So, yeah. So let's talk about that. That's super cool. I love that you just broke down. You've done so many of these now. You become really a world expert on this. It's just people, it's, oh, they do it for tax purposes, but it's not why they do it. They're doing it for a legacy. They're doing it to have uh, for the long term. So if somebody has a note on a property like this, is are the terms like super long term or is it more kind of like a five-year type of thing or is it 30-year? What's the kind of the term? And Is there some condition that Maybe you can't sell at a certain point, or I mean, what is it? What does it look like for them? Well, every deal is deal specific, and it does come down to their goals. But what I found is the older, and this is contrary to popular belief, the older they are, the more likely they are to sign a long term note. Hmm. And even if they don't have kids, I found that to be the case. Huh. I'm working with a gentleman over in Central Washington. He wants to do a long term note, and he. Just if you look at statistics, he won't live long enough to see the the end of that note. It's just it's too long for his like age. Ten or twenty year kind of thing, right? And and he's probably not going to live another twenty years. He's he is older. He's in his eighties, and uh, he wants that note to go to a foundation when he dies. So he's working on it, setting all that up right now. He wants to make that a charitable thing and just live off the income until he passes because he doesn't have kids. And um, he said if he did have kids, he'd want the note to go to them, but doesn't so i found that to just be true as they get older they want longer term deals because what are they going to do with a lump sum of cash right so it helps them to to, to to drag it out now we have some things in common cody we're both from pacific northwest uh, i'm from seattle i think you're you know about an hour south of seattle there um and and so you source just this deal you mentioned you source this deal in central washington um i know there's different ways you source these deals but you've done this I mean, this is, you've done this over 10 or 20 times now, right? With multifamily, with a lot of single families, like how do you source, are you doing direct uh, mailers? Or are you just, is it all word of mouth? Like how are you sourcing these deals? 
Well, I don't own any single families. I will, uh, I will say that every deal <laughs> Good is for you. Good for you, man. <laughs> but yeah, I started with 12 and, and trying to go up from there, but uh, the marketing is, is really simple. I, I didn't have any money to spend on marketing. So I did it all myself and did everything for free. I would go on Google maps. I'd find big roofs. My thought process was if they were a bigger roof, it was more likely to be a, an apartment building than it was to be a house. And so I would just find the big roofs, go on county assessor, figure out who owned it. Everybody's phone number is on Google. Nobody is safe from that. Huh. And uh, so I, I found the phone number, call them up. And the one big difference is I'm not calling them to buy the property. I'm trying to buy them coffee. And I want to learn how they got to where they're at. So I'm trying to book a meeting on that phone call. And so that way I can go up and, and learn all the best pieces of their strategy and omit the worst. And I do that with enough people. And that's how I built my strategy for buying a whole bunch of multifamilies. You know, it's an amazing strategy for a lot of reasons, because, um, you know, first of all, you know, when you call, I mean, these people may have people calling them, whatever, but you're just saying, oh, hey, like the first person thing somebody's trying to identify with someone they don't know is who is this person? What do they want? Right. And if you're not like, hey, I want to buy your thing or I want to pay whatever, like, you're not approaching that from that at all. You're basically saying, hey, I'm, I'm a young person and I'm, I'm looking to, to learn. And I'm looking to grow. And it's amazing how people that as they get older, they're, that's a real flattering thing. So, Hey, how did you get where you are? I, I really admire that. And so you get the meeting and then, so it's helpful for the business side to help grow, but I'm sure you've probably had some conversations where you're like, when I'm 70 years old, when I'm 60, when I'm eight, like I, I actually really got a lot out of that. I and mean, that's, that's, I mean, have you, you probably just gained a lot both from the business side, but as well as just the lessons, right? There, there's some remarkable lessons that I've learned just to, from business, personal life, you know, how they operate and um, you know, how they manage relationships and, and uh, manage teams. It's, it's stuff I couldn't have learned in a book and yeah. that nobody can learn in a book. It's real life experiences. Can you give us one story or a couple of maybe a story or two or just of, of people you've met and things that like, you know, here's something that being, you know, 23 and of course younger than 23 that you've like you just a lesson you're like man I when I as I get older this is something I definitely want to do or something I don't want to do yeah I met up with um a gentleman he was one of the first people I ever met with in in Moses Lake and he's a developer he goes out and builds apartment complexes he's built homes and he's building a ton of stuff right now um for himself for other people and he sat me down one day put me in the truck drove me around and we drove by all his properties and that took a couple hours. And he said, Cody, the, the richest people on planet earth are developers until they can't finish their projects. And so if you want to build a lot of wealth for yourself, for other people, so that you can live and give, then you need to buy a cash flowing base, a multifamily. And once you have your multifamily cash flow, go play developer and flip enough buildings to where you can start building in cash. So you're immune to market cycles. Uh, and, and then you can skyrocket your net worth without the risk of everyone that's playing that game. And so that's exactly what he did. He started with a sixplex. He bought a seller financed 10% down. His first deal was $9,000 out of pocket way back when. And uh, he got chased off the property with a shotgun, uh, you know, racist tenants and all that. And uh, so he was just learning the ropes way back then. But he and his wife lived in one of the units at this rundown sixplex and eventually got in another place and another place and built a, a cash flowing portfolio of 40 rentals, got into building, build to sell, build to keep, build in cash. And 
And now I'm working on buying some of his stuff, seller finance, some of his new construction, because he got to the point where he could build in cash. But I'm going to be emulating exactly what he did. I built my portfolio up for cash flow and now going to play developer so that I can go build the net worth up relatively quickly because there's some cool gains you can get from doing ground up, but do it without the risk of the debt. Yeah, that's amazing. No, development is, uh, it's always, we're looking at some development stuff now of uh, some senior housing stuff that looks really interesting. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, these stories of people, it's, it's, there's so much wisdom out there from people. And that's what I love about conferences and meetups, or even just meeting people in life that have done things. It's like, I have a friend who's 85 and he's got a net worth, I think of at least three to 500 million. And, um, he, you know, he told me about this deal. He said he he does a couple of things. One of the things he does, one of the best things he's done is right. It was, he said, there's three times in in his life, 85 years old, three times in his life, they've just been giving land away. Like, it's just like, like stuff is so cheap. So he ended up getting 2000 acres near SeaWorld in San Antonio in, I think it was the eighties or nineties. And the agent guy, he got it for 10 million. So he put like, he financed half of it, got half down, sold 10 shares of 500 K each, he had some money in it. And then they just literally subdivided that off. They hired somebody to help kind of subdivide it and sell off pieces of it over the next, uh, I think it was like the next 10 years, they made a 20 X return on their money. Right. And it was just simply from, it was there, it was available and being ready and being open. So yeah, it's just, it's great to have. And I'm sure that person that you mentioned uh, has become a mentor as well. So you can always reach out and Hey, check in. And they love hearing what you're doing. And I'm sure. Um, uh, so let me ask you this. Um, obviously you started this, you know, only, you know, you're 23 started at 19, um, you started, you know, just a few years ago, um, what would you do differently or what's something maybe you've learned the last year or two where you're like, man, if I just had focused on this, I would have been able to go even faster. Or do you feel like it's all just been like, you know, I, I really wouldn't do anything different. I'm grateful for the way things played out because I learned lessons earlier than most and not just earlier in, in life, but earlier in the business cycle. I made a lot of mistakes because I made a lot of purchases. And there's times where I structured things as equity partnerships where I should have structured it as debt. Mm-hmm. And I had the right in all of those to buy other partners and I have done that, but it costs more money. Right. I, I was right. looking very short-term approach versus a long-term approach on my debt and equity structure. And so I negotiate these great seller finance notes. And instead of borrowing the down, like I did on my first three deals where it was truly hundred percent debt and a cash flow, I could have continued to do that, but I searched it with equity partners with buyout agreements. And then that put me in a position where to buy them out. I needed to refinance and my mortgage went from 10,000 a month to 15,000 a month. And, um, you know, if rates were still lower then that could have worked, but that's not a solid business model of could have, I should have built it off of, I can keep the existing that I negotiated and the real estate would have just bought those people out. So I would have structured it as just debt for down payments more often than equity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, it's really interesting too, because yeah, you sometimes can ne- negotiate seller financing. I know now uh, there's people even for single family doing assumptions and subject to and other things like that. Um, but with seller financing, a lot of these group, you know, places may want you to put some money down. Um, how, how are, what are some different ways that you are structuring that now with debt where you're, you know, you're, you're putting zero down, meaning you've got your seller finance, you know, the seller is financing 70, 80%, whatever. And then you've got that remaining 20, 30% or 10%, whatever that is. What are some different options you found that are favorable to not have equity partners to do that? Yeah. Well, if you're going to do it strictly as debt. 
uh, you have to encumber either that property or another property that you own or take a personal loan. And uh, regardless of where you collateralize it with, if you do a first with the seller and a second on that asset, there, there's an equation that I learned along the way. And it has to do with what's called a rate factor. And it's like your, the equation is your principal and interest on an annual basis divided by the loan amount. If you're 100% leveraging a deal, um, you got to look at your total cost of capital. And, and we'll talk about this and then jump into the actually how. But let's say your first mortgage costs 100 grand, your second mortgage costs 30 grand a year. You have 130,000 debt service on the price. It's a similar equation now to your cap rate. So you just make sure your cap rate's higher than that. And you can do 100% leverage on your deals. When it comes to actually financing that, uh, I like to do second position and they're usually around 12 to 14% interest. And that's where I found investors are happy with that deal. And I have a clause where if I can't pay them, then I'll sign over the ownership in the LLC. That way they feel comfortable with the deal. They know the underwriting. And um, if I can't do that, let's say there's a no further encumbrance clause, like uh, on a commercial loan, because sometimes sellers don't want you to further encumber the property then I'm going to do it as an equity partner with a buyout agreement, which makes it functionally the same as debt, but they're just backed by ownership day one. So if someone puts in a hundred thousand, it's similar to on a, a syndication where you may have a IRR and you try and double someone's money in five years, you can have the same metric backed by a buyout agreement in the asset. So if I put a hundred grand into your deal, you could have the right to buy me out for $200,000 in five years. It's functionally the same as debt with a balloon and a payoff, but uh, it doesn't validate your your clause on the, the note. Gotcha. So there's a way you found to structure it to where the person has either ownership or some sort of recourse in if it's especially if it's a seller. So it sounds like you've you've become really good at finding ways to make things happen. And I'm sure just through networking and, and research and asking to try to, you know, I'm sure there's probably been times you beat your head up against the wall. How can I get this done? How can I find the money? What can I, and just trying to find ways to do it. Yeah. And you can do seller first, seller second. And that's another thing that I've looked at before. One of the, the first individuals that I learned from, they bought a 15 plex, they had a house and um, the one rental house. And they bought this 15 unit zero money down because the seller, of the 15 unit financed, 70% of the purchase against the 15 in first position and 30% against that, that house in second position because they had a, they had a mortgage on their house. Right. So they basically put a second against the home and they bought it hundred percent seller finance, but they moved the collateral against different assets. It doesn't always have to be a transfer of money. And a lot of the times these people don't need the money, but uh, you can just put, you can break up as many of the notes as you want. You could do a first against that says second against something else you own. Yeah. And if they truly don't need cash, uh, another thing you can do on your seller finance note is have the seller finance a first position at four or 5%, and then they can finance the difference at um, 10%, 12% in a second against the same asset yeah. with a short balloon. Yeah. And that gives you time to go in. And the pitch on that is hey, I have this amount of money, but I want to fix up the property. Can you finance the down payment? I'll use my cash to fix it up. And then I'll use extra cash flows to pay, pay you this down payment in yeah. two years, three yeah. years. That's great. Yeah, it's, it is amazing too. I love 
just going back to your approach that you actually, I may even use that locally in, in Southern Cal where I live is just, Hey, let me get coffee. Cause it, it puts you in connection with great people and you're not approaching it from you, but you're, you're just really trying to learn who they are and what's important and what they've done. And it just, those relationships are incredible because, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think we're, we're just even in our area generally, and people are very disconnected and they're always looking for ways. To, I mean, generally people are looking for ways to give back to, to others, especially the next generation, as you said, um, let's talk a little bit. Um, you mentioned you're doing a, a hotel conversion. Now talk about the hotel conversion, uh, what, what that looks like, how that's working this is your first one. So talk to us about why and how, and, and you know, your partner is going to teach you some stuff there too, and all that. Yeah. So I ended up cold calling a guy and he's got a nine figure balance sheet. He's been in the game for a couple of decades and he doesn't have a ton of partners, which is my favorite part. He did it himself. <laughs> nice. And so he got started with buying apartments and then he got uh, a lot of hotels. And um, more recently, he's been converting some of the hotels he's picked up and some of the motels he had picked up along the way into apartment buildings because it's a higher and better use in today's market. And um, so I cold called him. We met up. He was less of a coffee guy, more of a tequila guy. So I got to watch him <laughs> do shots. And then we talked about real estate. But he just converted a um, 40-unit hotel that he bought next door to, to this um property that I had bought and, and it was a 24 plex motel two-story walk up in Moses Lake where I, I buy most of my rentals and uh, he talked to me about the conversion process and I let him know that I had an off-market opportunity and that it was seller finance that I need about 300 grand down and I told him about the terms we were buying it for a million dollars it was 24 units and the the seller finance payment was only $4,100 a month for, for 21 24 doors it's a really good uh mortgage at least in washington state because we're going to get 800 950 bucks a month in rent per unit so he offered help in financing the the total down payment and so i'd sell her financing for seven hundred thousand. and uh, this individual that i met up for the first time with a few years back we just kept in touch we reconnected let him know about the deal he financed the 300 grand down and we went into that on a partnership with the plan of getting it fixed up and on appraisal, it should be worth about 2.3, 2.4 million. We'll pull out the original capital and um, he's willing to finance any deal that I find similar to that up to eight, $10 million. Wow. Amazing. So he, so he's going to, so instead he'd become a, he's going to become a partner for you on things. And like you said, I think you were saying earlier, you brought him in because uh, he's had all this great experience. He's done these conversions before. So he's someone that can kind of help you along the path as well. That's really incredible. Have, have higher interest rates really impacted you negatively or not really? Not for acquisitions. If rates were still in, I've got some buddies that still hold some of their notes in the threes and, and fours fixed for 10 years. And uh, the, the same market. And if I had access to that, the only difference in my business, what I would I'd be more liquid. I would have ripped some money out of the portfolio. But because of that, I'm capped on my cash out ability from um, conventional lenders. So it's forcing me to stick with my seller finance notes. However, as far as an acquisitions business goes, nothing has changed because I've never bought anything with a bank. 
Yeah. Amazing. Never bought anything with a bank. I love it. So, so your credit then you don't, you have all this stuff. I mean, you've refinanced, so you have, you developed a lot of credit through that and the asset and things like that. Has that been any issue being young and having getting some of these properties financed or not really? It was for the first couple of years, but now that I've had properties in my tax returns for three years going on four, uh, that has helped out a lot. Yeah. And, uh, it's just time in the business. And so that's when folks are trying to get started, they need to negotiate long enough debt products so that they don't have to refinance in the first two, three years. That'd be a big mistake if um, people are trying to do this model as their first business venture into real estate. For someone like you, you, know, you could go in and do a, a three to five year note and you'd probably be fine because you could refinance it. But I mean, my first deal was a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. So I'm, I'm just going to hold that. Um, but having a long enough runway really helps with the bankability because I, I look at some of my old emails with lenders and I got shut down so many times uh, up until I was about 22. They keep shutting you down. And then they started taking, it's amazing too. Like just, it's like a catch 22 with certain things. Like until you have experience, no one wants to give you a shot, but how do you get the experience if you don't have the experience? Right. So you have, you just kind of have to keep trying and keep doing different things to get there. Uh, yeah. And that's why doing these private meetings with owners, meeting up with them, private individuals can go a really long ways because it, it gets you access to debt products you can't get with a conventional uh, lender. And then if you're doing a business model like you are, where you're putting 10% down, um, but you're syndicating the equity, if you get the, the same upside, maybe increase the asset value 30%, when you put 30% down, you double your money. When you put 10% down, you 400% the money. And that's where... Um, someone that's trying to implement your model, having access to this debt without a KP can go a long ways. And um, it can go a long way for the IRR because you're doubling the returns people are getting. Yeah, it's amazing. I love uh, love what you're doing, man. It's just on your YouTube channel here. It looks like you've got all kinds of good stuff happening here. you got a big following and, and you're doing some great stuff, man. Well, uh, I just wanted to really appreciate you for coming on today. This has been an awesome episode. I've been really looking forward to having you on for a while. Uh, just because a lot of people say I don't have the money, uh, but not having the money is not, shouldn't be the issue. You basically built this huge portfolio without really without partners. I mean, you, you kind of partners along the way and then buying them out and really without having the money. And so it's amazing what you've been able to develop. Um, how can people uh, follow you? I know you have your website, multifamily strategy, you've got your YouTube and you've got a course that you're doing. Talk about your course and some ways people can connect with you. Yeah, the, the course is 200 videos. It's recorded. It's how I built my business before I met my partner, Christian. Uh, and when we teamed up, I had 30 rentals, but I bought those all zero down. And so we just recorded the how-to and the, the analytics and the outreach. That's at multifamilystrategy.com. But folks should follow us on YouTube. It's Cody and Christian Multifamily Strategy. We post a lot of videos there every week. And um, like I mentioned earlier, everybody's phone numbers on Google. So if you Google go Cody Davis real estate phone number, it'll be on the first page. If you want to shoot me a text. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you being here again. Thanks for adding so much value. I'm really, I was saying before we started recording, I can't wait to see where you're going to be in like five or 10 years, man. You're going to be like the nine figure guy. And you're like, yeah, I just like own the world now. <laughs> all kinds of well, stuff. We're going to pay off all our stuff first. So <laughs> before we go conquer the world, we're going to pay off our debts. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for being here, brother. We'll have to have you on again in the future. Thanks for uh, sharing all the wisdom and value. And I encourage everybody to check out your channel and your course as well. Appreciate that. Thanks, Boston. Thanks, brother. All right. So great interview with Cody. Uh, the best thing I got out of this was uh, when you have, uh, you know, instead of just identifying properties and saying, hey, let me make, let me make an offer. Let me make an offer. Here, I'm going to sell their financing. Take them out to coffee, get to know them, hear their story. A lot of these people have many properties. They love to give back. And if you can be someone who truly is interested in learning and say, hey, I'm just, I wanna figure this out. I wanna learn. Can you help me? Anybody you can connect me with, whatever. This is what I'm trying to do. You know, they may actually have an opportunity for you. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to pass on some of these things. And just by learning and being curious, um, it will open up to new things. So there's a saying by Jim Rohn is make yourself valuable to valuable people. So what you're doing is you're going and you're meeting with people that are valuable people, they're high net worth, they're people that have a lot of property and you're trying to find out really what they need. And good networking as Joe Polish, my friend, actually the book is on the shelf right over here, kind of in the corner. Uh, it says, what's in it for them? It's yellow book. Um, and it's when you're talking with somebody, always try to think about what is really in it for them. And if you're able to create a win-win, you're able to create a solution for them that can help them, uh, it's amazing what will open up. So I'm actually helping to use this to really do some stuff locally, different places to help expand our portfolio. And also with the debt situation, you can actually come up with some pretty favorable debt terms for people uh, that wanna work with you. So there's all kinds of reasons why people would wanna work with you as an individual. So thanks for taking the time to educate yourself. This video was great, hope you enjoyed it. Stick your comments below. Uh, or share this with a friend and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Mailbox Money Show. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time for more Mailbox Money.